Hello everyone, Tony here. Late last year when Dwayne and I first decided to start the Tree Actions podcast, we initially had some struggles with technology and a couple of our interviews didn't come quite clean on the technical standpoint. The worst of those was with Thor. This is still very much a learning process. I had to put that little disclaimer on the front end of, of that podcast. So what we decided to do was do a take two. Uh, we had a new conversation with Thor. Uh, we talked about some of the same things we talked about before, and we added some new things in. So give it a listen. If this podcast has taught me one thing, is any conversation that is meaningful and in-depth is worth having. And that's especially true when talking to somebody as passionate and as knowledgeable as Thor. We're on. Some things never change. Welcome, welcome every, hang on. welcome everybody to another uh, edition of Where Tree Actions, the Human Forestry Podcast. And uh, our guest today is Thor Clausen, who uh, you may have remembered. Some of you that are watching, listening, uh, was on. Uh, I think you were the second ever podcast we did, and uh, we've. This will make our tenth, I think. We're, we've we've upped it now, Thor. We're doing two a week. Like two are being released a week, so uh, we've got a quite a few in the queue. And uh, yeah, two twice a month they come out. Yeah, but yours is—I don't know if you listen to yours, but it's got a lot of rough audio in it. Uh, we got we had something happen with our connection, and we just thought, you know what? Let's just do it do it over. So, Thor, how many uh, people have suffered through the audio of the first one, Tony? Uh, there were 38 downloads when I just checked. It's actually wow. not that bad. It's just a little, gets a little glitchy, a little bit of an echo here and there. And it, it does. It yeah. sounds a little echoey today. Yeah. I just heard that. I don't know what's going on. It's like, it, we just did one of these earlier today. Ah, we'll figure it out. Um, like always, we don't follow a script. We don't, uh, we don't uh, have anything laid out, but the last time, you know, we went, you quite, oh, by the way, I did get a hold of uh, Beaver Bill and, and he's, he's quite busy, but he's agreed to do a podcast later this year. So we're hoping to get Beaver Bill on the, on the show. We did record Rip, which you yeah, recommended. You, you that. Did you record, have you done, have you done um, um, the legend that is uh, Billy Wild? No, we have not contacted Billy Wild when uh, Rupert is, needs to get queued up. Uh, Noah Violini's booked on. I don't know if you knew that. Okay, good. Didn't yeah, so we'll, we'll have Noah on. Uh, also, Ryan Seneschal, we bumped into him at the conference in Ontario last week, and he's booked on for one. And we just did one with Wenda Lee this afternoon. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. And you'll remember, Wenda, you uh, took trainer with Wenda back in Florida there. That was an interesting yeah. experience. Yeah, Wenda and uh, Kathy Holzer. <laughs> Kathy was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't I haven't talked to Kathy in over a decade, so it's been it's been a while. This the 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 transition to Bartlett's been good good business wise, but it's been kept me out of the loop of of, uh, of the group, which is which is unfortunate. I keep in touch with a few guys now and again, like yourself, and yeah. And this, what's super interesting is is like last uh, was it I guess it was three summers ago now, just before COVID, when we all met up at Blair Beach's place. Correct. You know, I hadn't seen you or Rupee or or norm for for a long time and and you you get back together with Blair and Karen and and it's it's just like uh shacking up at their duplex in Surrey you know it just <laughs> is what it was other than yeah. other than there's not a crispy cream right across the road that I had to drag you out of 
<laughs> well, Krispy Kreme, I, I was training down in uh, New Orleans and uh, for Bayou Tree Service. And it was what every morning the guys would bring in Krispy Kreme dough and they were hot. Like they, it was the first time I'd ever heard of this whole concept. And not long, they just started popping up in Canada. So yeah, well, well, they, a, they had just opened that one by Blair's place when we were training there. Might have been me and Norm, but I think it was you. And you're, well, you're standing in line at Krispy Kreme. If there's more than four people, they hand you a warm donut off the rack yeah. to keep you company. Yeah. While you're standing there, so Jesus, oh, yeah. man, that's a that's a death sentence for guys <laughs> like me that are just about to turn sixty. Oh man, it, they are so good though because they're a different type. They're not a cake donut. They can't remember what they're called, but they're a different batter. And they're when they're fresh, man, they are they're. Yeah. There, yeah, there's, there's, there's a, there's a reason there's an obesity epidemic. <laughs> Speaking of New Orleans, um, Squirrel and Glenn. Yeah. Who was, what was Squirrel's name? I can only, I only remember him as Squirrel. You're talking about Ted Harder? Could be, could Ted, be. There was, Ted. They, they, yeah, yeah. Him and Glenn were both at the same time, yeah. the trainer with us. Correct. Yes, yes, they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. They're both yeah. doing well. Yeah. Glenn, was, yeah. Glenn was an interesting guy. So yes, Squirrel. yes. Yeah, they're both they're both still down there. A lot. Uh, Ted did send a video of him out on his kayak on a river somewhere by Baton Rouge, and he was like this uh, alligator was long as his as his kayak, and it's on the well, bank. Do you, do you remember our first our first train the trainer in Florida? We had to do that. We had to do the walk around with the, with the guy from the camp there. And he yeah. took us out to the edge and he says, it's alligator breathing season. So don't come around here. And if you hear this bark, just back away. And then yeah. it was them, the, the fire ants. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, all stuff that uh, we don't quite mm. get up here. Yeah, yeah. What was it? What was it? Bruce said, like, don't go down to the edge of the water with a stick, start splashing around and make uh, dog noises. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You probably you, you don't want to do that. Like, okay, Bruce, I won't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, exactly. Well, and there was the one year that Bruce announced that we were going to, uh, as a team event, have alligator wrestling. <laughs> I was never quite sure that? if that was true or not. Yeah, that was well, a good, that not... first that first train the trainer down there. The first the first one at Scott's place was was awesome. You know, we were talking about weight earlier. Well, I put on eleven pounds in seven days for that one. <laughs> Because he hired that friend of his who's the chef yeah. on the air, the, the the airline chef. Yeah. Right. So you bring in, and of course, that's the fried chicken capital of Atlanta, is the fried chicken capital of the planet. You remember the lunches they're bringing? A fried chicken breast that was like the size of a small turkey. And yeah. It's just nuts. And then that first night after after uh, his kid or whoever was shooting people with the paintball gun as they're running across, yeah. I think, you know. Um, they 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 had that huge feast at, at Scott's place where he put us out. Yeah. It was just amazing food. Yeah. And that first night, I think I told you in that original podcast was uh, chocolate bourbon pecan pie with yeah. uh, homemade French vanilla ice cream. I mean that was just decadent. And we've also had Scott Prophet. He's done a podcast, so he's been you'll be able to listen to him soon. In fact, he's coming up next, isn't he, Tony? He's next up, I think. I think so, yeah. I think so. Uh, so right, he, yeah. he's uh, shared some of his stories too, Thor. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. We, we're, you know, for people that, um, you know, for any of us that were part of that time, the, the stories are hilarious and, and interesting. And I, I think they can be, but how would you go about describing 
Um, you know, if you think back to the, the pioneering of, of arborist training, the, the traveling arborist training show, you know, that, that, that arbor master, I, I think it's safe to say arbor master kind of, cause it kind of started something there. And, you know, we, we were arbor master Canada for most of the, I think all the time that you were part of our training team here in Canada was arbor master Canada. Like how, how would you describe to somebody what it was like, you know, being part of that, you know, not like, it's one thing if it's you're on our team, but just what, you know, if you were to share with someone the being part of that young human forest as it was growing, you know, going back to, you know, what, what year would it have been when you first got involved? 90. Well, I, I did the first, the first time Rip came up to Canada just to do a demo with Bieber Bill. Yeah. Um, I was, I was one of, I think there was a half a dozen people that went to that. They were going to run a course. They didn't have people. Ken got stopped at the border. Wasn't a lot of cross. <laughs> and, uh, so Rip came up and just did did the demo in this huge tree and 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 uh, I was hooked when I saw that. So I signed up for the first the first set of courses because it was. So what do you think? The, what, what do you think? Like, was it the technique, the the delivery? Like, what what hooked you? Yeah, I think I think part part of it was the the, the that it was so the, the techniques that were coming along, the gear that was coming up hadn't been introduced to the industry yet. And there were so many advancements. It, it, it seemed like weekly or monthly because the arborists are such a, a creative group of people. And even the trainers are. You look at the stuff that Rip and Ken, you know, developed with, with the modern friction sabers and, uh, and, and things like that. that, are, that are the, the climbing saddle advancements, just getting yep. into what are, what are now seemed antiquated. But you get into that whole Arbor Master series of saddles. And, yep. and versions now that are now company saddles for Bart, Bartlett, like Erg Light and that, those kind of things, which which then led on to onto the Irrigation and the Truffle Burger and all those other yep. saddles and gear all stemmed from that from that beginning. Because you, you yep. remember um, um, Dave from, from Victoria. Um, uh, Slide on. Yeah. Because he came over to a course that, that you and I were teaching in New West. And he yep. was the arborist. For, and he came over to learn the Blake Hitch. Correct. This was all the rage at that time. This new thing because everybody was climbing on the taut line. The ropes had just gone over to sixteen strand, and and yeah. and the hitches weren't holding. You know they were sliding. Yeah. And then he looks at it, and I don't know if you remember his comment, but he says Blake hitch. He says that's a painter hitch. We used to use that when we we're painting the outside of buildings. So they yeah. had already been using that in a different application. You know. Yeah. So. Well so the and, and the way things got modified, it, a real cool one was was again that. Um, uh, Oh, what did we call him? Bruce was 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 silverback, and then um, um, Otis. You know, when we yeah. when we were sitting around that that first night at the cabin, and Otis yeah. had all this different rope stuff with double knots and how to set this and that and the other thing, and it was so everybody was so creative. And then Frank developed what was called the weapon at the time for the competition, where you could footlock up with the machad. And, yeah. and the double ring and be yeah. able to extract it, you know, when, when he was doing competitions and all those ideas and innovations, you know, that came along. And then because of things like Arbor Master, I was training, you sent me down to um, Minneapolis to the, to the conference and I was doing an aerial rescue thing, a bucket rescue thing for, for, uh, 
for Arbor Mass, Arbor Master Arb Canada at the time. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but I was down there doing this and it, it might've been for North American for Scott. I, I, I really can't remember, but the first, um, uh, what was that one? Uh, uh, kind of like a zigzag. It had kind of like a, an accordion kind of, kind of deal that you ran your rope in for a mechanical hitch. Unicender. Oh. Unicender. Unicender. And, and, uh, one of the guys, one of the old boys of, of Faboriculture was testing, had it and was testing it out and was letting me climb on it and play with it. And it's same with the lockjack and, and, yeah. and things like that. Like our primary line now for, for, for hitches is uh, um, a modified ice that we use in, in the shop here. And yeah. you and, and, and myself and Norm and, and, and Johnny and, and uh, we're down at Samson Ropes, yeah. you know, with Dr. Chu. And he's saying, well, tell me what you want the rope to do. Well, we want it to do what this 10X does, but not fucking melt. Yeah. You know? And he says, okay, I can do that. So then they sent us the first, the first ice to test, but it was too slick. The coating was too slick. It was, it was sliding too quick and not holding quite as much. And, and then they modified it. And now all my, all my crew uses that as their primary hitch. You know, those, those kind of things and the innovation, I still have the, um, well, what was the seven sixteenths line that Arbor Master came out with the, or the nine sixteenths, the, the one below half inch, it came in, it came in, it came in orange and it came in blue and green. It was it was a twenty four strand, and I can't remember what the name what the like name velocity? was. Velocity, velocity, velocity. I oh, still yeah, yeah. have a seventy foot velocity, which was the first one that they gave Rip Tompkins to test. I have that right. in a bag in my in my shop. Yeah, and then we were we were going through the shop down there at at, at Samson, and there was a, a different weave for a sixteen strand that they had tested, and it just it wasn't quite enough difference from the Arbor Master lines. And then he yeah. says, oh, if you want it, you can take it. So, of course, I took it. <laughs> so, I've got, these, I've got these little bits and pieces as, as we went along. I've got some of the gear from, from Otis. I've got, I've got some of those, those very first lines that were, that were changed. I've mm-hmm. got the first, uh, remember when um, uh, oh, they sent us the Urgivations, the first, the first yep. build of the Urgivations? Yeah. You know, I still yeah. have that with all the components, you know, at that point I was starting to get out of, out of uh, climbing every day, you know, so mine still looks pretty brand new. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty neat to have all that stuff. Yeah, it is cool. And associate yeah, you know, and I, and, and I think, I think the, that, the, that, that kind of thing still continues, but I think it's different now in the, in the way things get shared and, you know, especially because of, I guess, social media or the internet, you know, it's just, it's so easy to certainly at least see what's out there and, uh, and, and see it maybe in use and or operation, you know, compared to, you know, when, when the, uh, the training revolution, I guess you could call it started, you know, it was really still a traditional style of you. You had to see, see it or learn it from somebody, you know, the internet, I'm not saying we were so far back, there was no technology, but, but it wasn't like it is today. You know, and I think that that's no, why the advancements are quicker. The difference, the difference Dwayne is, is, is back, back then. I mean, we were lucky with, with, with Arb Canada and Arbor Master that we had, we had um, companies like Samson Ropes and, and things like that, but, but Rock Exotic and Petzl, those kind of things weren't on board yet with, with Arborist nope. materials and Arborist supplies. And that's the right. difference is these guys are coming up with these innovations and these major companies are helping them push it along. You know, even like the zigzag, I mean, that, that first one I climbed in was, 
looked like it was put together in a back shed somewhere, you know, and, and that was the case until it was designed. But now they're, they're, they're partnering up with these bigger companies, you know, but some of the innovation, look what, you know, um, Will Coombton and Brian French have come up with, with, uh, with ascending the giants, some of their techniques that they use for tree transfers and, and things like that were, were amazing. I mean, we did some, uh, we did some, some neat stuff, but the stuff that they're doing now is so, so much more advanced. There's the secret weapon. There's a lot of, I hear <clears throat> that one comes up all the time. And I don't think anybody really understands the history of the secret weapon and the terminology of it. And uh, so just explain, I know it Thor, but I want to hear it from you because you were there part of it. What exactly was the secret weapon and how was it used? It was, it was really quite simple. It was basically a double loop with, with, uh, with buck rings on either end. And it was used on a double rope technique so that you could tie it on like a, with a machad with a, uh, and, and footlock up secured with your double rope system attached to it. So you could footlock up, lock it off, and then work your double rope system and keep going up. And it was awesome in competition. I think Frank might have been the first one to use it in competition. He, was, so he, yeah. could, he could set his rope in the top of the tree, footlock up to wherever he needed to go, and then still work a double system to get to the access points. And yeah. it was, it was pretty good. Well, it was the beginning of where the whole spike spiking below the knot started. Yeah. Because that's, that's exactly it, it, it. it didn't really, we never did spike it. Like Frank and I were, it was a climbing course in red deer and we were, we were mucking around thinking, you know, and I remember it popping into my head. And I went to the car and I started cutting the rings off of a, of a, off a friction saver. And he's looking and I did at the same one. I still got the first one I made after Frank showed me that I made one. And, and I That's tied it on. And we just tied it and I tied it on. And as soon as I was halfway done putting it together, Frank's like, oh. And he knew exactly where I was going with it, right? And, and we, we both built one that day. I, you know, who made it? I, but Frank used it. But see, I was climbing in competitions. I won the aerial rescue event chapter. I shouldn't say this on tape here. Uh, using, I, I would footlock with a a big machat, just tied off. But I would keep a beaner, and I had two beaners. So when I got up to where the dummy was, I would take a lock, pull, pull down, and I would just clip into the second beaner. So I was really tight to the machat, and I could just work the machat like. And I just went out to the dummy on the machine, pulling two lines. It was SRS, but it was with two ropes. I'd hook into the dummy and I'd descend. I never unclipped nothing. It was SRS all the way, baby. But nobody knew what the hell I was doing. And no yeah, one ever called me on No one ever called me on the interesting things, you, you know, <laughs> Dwayne, about being at the beginning of it all is, yeah. is seeing these things and working through them, right? It was and like, it's like, is, yeah. Sorry. It was, I wanted to think of a way that I could do it properly, not have to go SRS. Hence, if there was, but a pulley was too fast. And if we had, if, if you could only slide a friction saver along, then you'd be in the friction saver already. But and I literally tried tying a friction saver on the rope with multiple wraps and tying it, but it always slid, right? And then it was just, bing, put it into and that was it. That was sort of what and, we tried to do with the uh, with the friction saver. Remember when we were working with uh, with Trail with the uh, with the the uh, Fortis guys 
for the hydro guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of set exactly. up that system to for them to be able to repel off a double rope system on the poles. I rubber coated a couple of friction savers, did yeah. all sorts of stuff to get them to stick to the pole. Exactly, a bit. exactly. But being at the beginning, you, you, you so, talk about the beginning. One of the things that was 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 super interesting was well, there was a million things, but Frank had just set the um, the world record for footlock when we when and and he was he was kind of my my understudy when we were training together. So I got to stand and talk and be the big man, and he got to do all the demos. And I got to this point. So at at that time, there was you. There was all this talk about how much um, you couldn't rescue off the tail of a double rope system. You couldn't climb up on a double rope system, right? And and rescue. So, so we we'd set it up. We're going, and and you had done this at other courses and and told us to set it up. So we set up the dynamometer at the top of the tree, and of course Frank's footlocking, and so he footlocks up and he measures what the peak hold was, and it was almost five times, just under five times his weight. It was four and a half times his weight. So I think he weighed about 185 and he was pushing 800 pounds with peak force load because he would spring up, right? So then he comes down and I waddle my way up the rope to about 40 feet and, you know, do a, do a foot lock up and, and he's going to come up and, and rescue me off of, off of a, off of a prusik. So I, I climb up and I'm hanging there and he comes up gets me, brings me down. And then we, we, we lower the, the um, dynamometer to see what the, the peak force load was. So one guy was close to 800 pounds the way he was climbing with my fat ass. And then Frank footlocking underneath me, we hit a peak load of just a shade over double our weight. You know, I was the mass dampener in between. We talked about this last yeah. time and it was, yeah. Yeah. it was an amazing revelation of how we just didn't understand the physics of it all. That yeah. F word, as Norm used to say. Yeah. The F word. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, I, you know, you think, back to, you think back to stuff like that and, and, you know, just really the principles of what we were doing were the same of what, you know, guys are doing today. It just applied differently. Like everyone forgets. I think it was Pittsburgh in 2004 at the ITCC. Bettis foot locks up and about three quarters of the way up a line, he stops. Yeah. And he secures himself off and then he ties two midline loops. Yep. It's a revolver pulley in each midline loop, threads yep. a moving rope system through there and works the tree yep. off of that. You know, and that. it's like it was it's the very same concept and principle that like everyone yep. now is sort of calling revolutionary for lack of a better term. <laughs> but we've been doing it for a long time. We've gotten more efficient at it, um, yep. you know, and the things like the secret weapon. But I've heard it described by a number of people and it's like you're not describing a secret weapon. You don't you don't understand the history of it and where it came well, from. Well and, and just to finish on the weapon, when we were I went to Norm and I said, Norm, and I had the big idea. Well, Frank first of all I was like, We can't tell anybody this is the secret weapon, man. This is the different this will make it break it, right? That's how it ended up being called the secret weapon. At first now it's just the weapon, because it's no secret anymore. But yeah. I said to Norm, I said and we originally spliced it on Vectran, because we were playing around with Vectran. I still have one of the original ones. Mine's, mine's, mine's spliced on Vectran. Yeah, well, the first ones were all made with Vectran. And, well, and Norm, uh, Norm, Norm showed me up, and I did a, a you know, you did a double locking Brummel around the one yeah, end. That's and right. And then just back spliced here, put the loop in, and did a did a double that's bury right. on the other end. And what I wanted to do is I said, to, I said, Norm, we need to make some of these. I said, we need to make it a tool. It needs to not be, and it needs to be spliced, not tied with knots. And this way it could be marketed as an, as an actual tool. 
you know, it, it, it was like, it's not a, it, it's designed for purpose for this application. The ring, one ring floats, the other ring's fixed. And, and, and also I wanted it to be able to be, have a way to use it. And we, and we designed it that way with, so that it could actually be extracted properly without jamming up or getting stuck. And, uh, you know, but Norm didn't like Vectran. And as things go, you know, it never did get to be a, a rope tool for sale. Vectran was, in the it was so hard to cut. It was so hard yeah. to cut and so yeah. hard to yeah. work with. And it, and it frayed so easily. It just wasn't uh and it would cut itself like it would it would abrade itself. That's why we went away from it. And you gotta remember, there wasn't any heat resistive cordic. Ice wasn't out yet. No, it wasn't, so not not at it, that point. It, and we couldn't use tech technora or ultratech because they, they didn't work. Here's right. a story here's a story, Dwayne, for for you. So we're you and I did the horde show in Vancouver, that big trade show that they do, the the Can West yeah. Horde Show. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you and you and I did some stuff down there, some training, and, and you had a we're doing a talk. So this is this is typical Dwayne. We're sitting there. There's about 200 people in the audience. There's a big crowd, and he's walking through, high-fiving people and going, "I remember you. Just, 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 just. You were in my class in Olds College like 15 years ago. You know that kind of stuff." We lost Dwayne, which isn't. Uh... You there, Dwayne? I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. And uh, I can hear. And, and and doing that kind of stuff. And then as we're setting up and 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 chatting and and doing some other stuff, Rupert Evans comes over. And he's got someone had given him a whole bunch of am steel, and he's he's going he's going look at this stuff. And I said, yeah, that's that, that that's am steel. And he said, uh, oh, this is great. He said, look at how this stuff's so strong and it doesn't stretch. He says, I'm going to climb my timing hitch out of this. And I'm going, uh, no, I don't think so because it melts at just a super low temperature. But it was at that stage where you you know guys were just doing shit. You know, without without fully understanding the ramifications or what they were doing, and that, that's how a lot of stuff got learned. You know, some of it really good, and some of it not so much. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, and the other thing that is, uh, you know, I certainly need to remember. I think is there's so many iterations. You know, Tony, and it's part of the beauty of it. You know, I, I thought. I, yeah, I, I don't know if Frank and I would would it would tell that story exactly the same way, but I'm pretty sure that was the first secret weapon ever made, I think. It, under the bridge, I could take you right to the spot and render where it happened. But, you know, who knows? I mean, somebody could have, I, I don't know. You know, like it got adapted and modified like, so quickly. And, but the, and the, the, I think it's the same way with, with Arbors. Like Shigo had a saying, he said that, you know, and we talked about pithy points and that. And I'm looking for that CD. I've got it somewhere. Like, okay. Yeah. Where he's talking, he's, he's in his little house in Denbo, and you can hear the clock in the background and him chuckling and everything else. But, <laughs> but uh, he used to say that 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 people who work with trees know far more than they're able to explain. Hmm. And I think I think it's the same with arborists and their gear. They're not they're they're they figure things out. They're 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 innovative. They understand what's going on. They may not be able to to, to fully articulate it, but but they're innovative. And there's, there's stuff, I know there's stuff that I've done and, and rigging, rigging scenarios and things that I've done that'll just, when I'm working with the crews now and, and, and talking about jobs and how to set it up, things are coming back to me that, that we've done and we've trained at one site or some, some unique situation happened because our, our training sites were unique and, and, and it, it wasn't a classroom, it was outside and you're, mm -hmm. you're working with trees and tools and guys and, 
on on things like the 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 advanced rigging courses and the mm-hmm. uh, advanced felling where we're teaching guying and and lifts and drifts and all that kind of stuff um i always tried to set up one scenario for a group that was virtually impossible and it right. was likely to fail you know and 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 i explained it to them that this is your scenario you've got to get this tree and 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 there's something, an immovable object, and you've got to fall it and then move it and then lift it over top of another object and set it down over here kind of thing. And how are you going to do that? And you get them thinking outside of the box. And some yes. of the stuff that they would come up with, you're going, wow, didn't think of that. That'll work. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, uh, it, and, and, and that kind of stuff keeps coming back to me, you know, as, as we're doing things. Because in the real work field, you know, when we're out there actually doing a job, you can't push something to the limits of failure. You have to be kind of a little bit inside that, inside that box. So the training offered us, especially those sites at UBC where we could take down anything we wanted because they're going to build a condo there, you know, and you have these massively forward leaning alders and all sorts of stuff that you could, you could play with and, and rig with. And how, how tight an angle can you actually go to guy a tree? Well, we've got a whole scenario here where, okay, let's just keep moving it in. Until yep. it doesn't work no more, and then we <laughs> now we got a baseline. You know, yeah, it's true. it was it was it was awesome. It was so much fun. Yep. Other than it, other than Dwayne putting me on the spot just about every time when we oh. were doing the, the precision cuts and everything else, he just yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, got it all set up. Throw you first. There you go. <laughs> That's Thanks. where I learned that from. Now I know where I got that from because that was my favorite thing to do. I, I became really good at tight bore cuts because the first one that I ever did was taking the Arbor Games course Tim Arbor was teaching you know and he was my mentor and still is as far as chainsaw techniques go and uh he had I never seen it and he's cutting he's getting it all set and Tim dials it up it was all he had it painted and markered like we had a quarter inch aside and every eighth of an inch was a deduction and and he's explaining it all and he demos it and I had kind of, I was, well, I was the organizer for the, the whole thing, right? I was the organizer for the first Arbor Master courses out in the prairies here. And, uh, you know, he looks over at me and he says, you're first. And that, like, I'd never done it. Never done one ever, right? And that's well, where, that's, yeah, you did that to me. <laughs> well, it wasn't just the fact that I did it, Ted, as I did what I was taught to do. <laughs> Exactly. No, I think you were just a mean. I think you were just a mean, a mean prick at times. That's all. Well, it was it was Tim's. You know, he I, he kind of knew me, and and uh, you know, I was I was kind of the leader of the of the event, sort of like. And he was, I guess, he knew me the best, so he's like, "You're first. And you know, and he put a saw on the line, and uh, like, so winners yeah, gonna get a saw with, Hus- with Husky. That was the nice yep. thing with Husky is we could always yep. buy a saw. You, do you remember a girl, and I think you're an arborist out of North Van, her name was Josie? Yeah, I remember Josie Blur. Yeah, Josie Blur. So yeah. so she was in that chainsaw course with Norm and I, the, the, the first one. Yeah. And bar none, you know, uh, Karen Karen uh, uh, Blair's wife was was in was in one as well that Norm and I taught. And there was yeah. a couple other uh, um, women in those courses. And yeah. every time that we had a woman in the course, they always won that competition. They were just yeah. calmer and the guys yeah. are trying to show off and all <laughs> nervous and everything else. And these girls had, these women had nothing to prove. They just went up and did it. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. 
Well, I blew mine out pretty badly. It was quite embarrassing. And, uh, and he wouldn't let me do another one either. It was that nope, one shot. And I had to watch everybody else go and do better than I did. Right. And I never, ever since then I practiced and I made damn sure I was good at it. Ever, I, I, I don't know. I've ever done that badly again, you know, but it's a, it's, <laughs> it was a, it's a powerful lesson, right? It, Cause it, it really is. Power- well, I mean, I've never, if you ever did blow one out, I don't remember it, Thor, because you got pretty good at it. From no, I got, I, I, I got lucky the first time, and I practiced a shit ton before the second time. Do you remember Bruce uh, uh, explaining what a uh, Tater Newton and a shit ton was? No. Yeah. So I don't tater, know. A, 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 a Tater Newton is 250 pounds, mm-hmm. and a, a, a shit ton is three Tater Newtons. So if it's 750 pounds, it's a shit ton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, those are the days of the the taters and the the, the uh, yeah the Jethros and the the, the Bubba teeth that came out. Those are funny times. You know there was there was a lot of funny stories that 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 took place uh, on the on the on our in our trailers. Well, there's, I, I just recently there's, there's told a the story that both you and I can't tell in public ever. Well, I just told I'm recently hold you to that because I got a couple on you, brother. Well, well I just told <laughs> recently the one about I was reminded of the 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 Yukon I picked up at the airport, and uh, the, I got to tell you, Thor. To this day, it's a running joke with the guys. And most oh, guys don't even know where. It, yeah, nobody knows even where it comes from. But Thor, I mean, I'm curious how you would tell that story. <laughs> Well, that was, yeah, I think I told that last time, probably didn't come out too clear, but we were going to trail to, to teach. You, you flew in, I think, to Kelowna or Penticton. Yeah. And I had yeah. all the West Coast gear at my place. Yeah. I was doing most of the West Coast stuff. So, yeah. So he, he, he drove down, we picked up all the gear and we're driving out to trail, which is about a four and a half hour drive. And it was summertime to work with these, with, with uh, Fortis. And we're basically yeah. driving in the car, designing the course we're going to teach as we're going along because we're dropping trees onto lines and teaching them how to take them off. Yeah. And I just, we're driving along and, and just uncomfortable. It's just hot. And I'm like, Jesus, I'm just sweating. I just can't believe this. You know, it's running down the crack of my ass. Terrible seats, you know, terrible seats. And Dwayne, he kept it together and it was probably midway through day two or day three we we're actually on our way up you and i went for a little side drive up to red mountain we had a little yeah. bit of a break and i ran into a buddy of mine from summerland up the top there and yeah. on the way up you just fucking burst out laughing just you couldn't hold it in anymore and then you just you showed me the heated seats i i don't know if i was i was just pissed or humble well it was they were just they were first out they hadn't been they weren't they were just been released like no one had had them before and this rental was a decked out escalade and it had the seat so you know i and i just turned them on to try and i forgot of course and then you started driving and you know when you first complained about it i i laughed but i and i was going to tell you but we'd get talking about something like you say we were planning things and that went on oh, whole no, trip. You, you didn't forget. You left it on I did. purpose. I honestly did forget. And I would, I, th- I would tell myself, I got to tell him the poor guy. And then we would, you would, you'd calm down. And I, the one that killed me, the near, we were, it was well into the trip. You, you took your hat off and you just whipped it into the dash and it stuck between the windshield and the, the, the defrost vent. It just, oh, this truck is hot. <laughs> it was hilarious. 
again, I go off, but it was the next morning. We were just leaving and you get in the truck, you know, we had had supper and everything else. We did, we recorded those out of attention to chain videos in the, in the hotel rooms. Remember that? Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, good thing. I still have those videos. But anyway, we get in the morning and we don't get 10 minutes down the road and you're going, I can't believe this truck. And, you, and that's when I was like, okay, I got a tour. Look. Oh man, it was funny. Yeah, there were a lot that of was, that was that was great training, and then and then Norm and I went back out there after yeah. that, and we did um, uh, confined space chainsaw use because they had yeah. these 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 areas in front of the dams. At and the that, dam. was, that was that was a, we had a blast with that. And I went out and did it another time with Zach. Actually, Zach and I went out there and did the same course. But it's, we haven't it, been out it, there it for a lot of fun. Just there's 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 one other one you can get Rupert to tell you the uh, the the toast end of the story when you get Rupert on but we were we were out at UBC and I was still pretty rookie and Norm was Norm was my mentor at the time and we we're staying out at this hotel and and uh, we had we'd been out to Blair Beach's place the night before Norm had had a couple of couple of drinks and I wanted to go home and get some rest and he wanted to stay and keep chatting with with Blair and Karen and he'd he had a vehicle he'd get back the next day no problem so here it is, and I'm and, and I'm cooking breakfast, and Norm's not there, and, and I'm starting to panic, you know, because where is he? You know, Norm Norm uh, had a sense of humor and and some other uh, things that caused him to be Norm Norm had a personality where where he just kind of went along at his own little pace, and nothing really seemed to to matter much, and then I hear this banging on the sliding door uh, of the of the of the room that we're in which is on the bottom floor and and i open it up and rupert jumps in and him and norm have concocted this damn story because i'd only assisted norm maybe two or three times at that point and rupert's going jesus christ norm's still drunk he's over at karen's he can't wake up we tried it's just it's done it's done you got to teach the whole thing by yourself today and i'm going fuck (laughs) and it went on and on and on and they just milked me until norm came up over the balcony and i was just ugh. But there's a little part about toast in there that you'll have to ask Rupert about that I'm not going to explain. Yeah, well, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, I, well, I can, we can, we can have Rupert tell that part. He was probably the, he was the, he was witness to the entire event. So we'll oh, you, no, he was, he was, he was a compatriot of, of Norm. They, they, had, <laughs> they had kind of concocted this whole thing where he would come up and get me all worried up. You know, you know, as we're talking about all this, or it makes me think about, you know, for people listening to this that, you know, you know, listen to a bunch of old guys telling stories, but how much tree work, I mean, I don't, some parts of it maybe never change. You know, like when you're on a crew, I think back to, I, I don't know, maybe everyone has an experience, maybe not, but it certainly was an experience on our training team. I, I, I think it still exists today. Um, it's something that evolves between people uh, you know, it, you know, employees, coworkers, turn, it turns into friendship and then it into, into, uh, you know, joking around and just having fun and learning, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I've been part of crews where you just, it's a blast every day you go to work, you know, you know, you can take a tree apart and stuff the chipper and get the invoice in the mailbox so fast people, you know, by the time you, you knock and tell them you're there, you're already leaving. They can't believe how fast you did it. And all that's left is the stump is half ground already, you know? And, and I think we had a lot of that 
we, in, we did, in those days. Part of that, Wayne, is, 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 and I'll hand it to you and I'll hand it a little, little bit to Rip and Ken is, is, and, and, and Tony and all the guys that train the trainer is it's, it's, a, it's a faith and a trust in each other. You asked me to do some stuff on those training courses and I never questioned it because I trusted what I trusted your judgment because it, it, it the, the next course, when you're doing a demo or something, your life was in my hands and my, and right. literally our life was in each other's hands. And that's the same with a really tight crew. I see it with yeah. my guys, you know, yeah. if you have a tight crew in this industry, you know, it, it's necessary because it's, it's, it is a life and death issue and, and your life right. is on the line and what you do is going to affect. And, and what we taught these guys to be safer and to give better techniques and, and, and everything else. I mean, I was telling you that story where, where, you know, we had that one guy, that school teacher. I mean, he took all three courses back to back. He took, he took climbing, he took chainsaw and then rigging and he'd never picked up a chainsaw before. You know, so I'm tied into one tree and I'm swinging over, helping him set up his notch and everything else and swinging back and forth and, 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 and teaching these guys. We had, um, we had the one old guy, um, Husky used to have the, the shirts. I still got mine that had the chainsaw padding in the upper portion. And it had a little bit of that collar. I don't know if you still yep. have one of those. Yep. Or not, but. but they were, they were great. And, and it was, a think you were with me on the course. It might've been Norm. It was, <coughs> he came back to course about six months later and he had a, he had had a kickback that hit him in the shoulder. And it was because of the shirt that he saw us wearing that, that, that he said saved, saved his shoulder and his neck. Yeah. I remember so that. It's these, it's these little things. And, and uh, you know, sitting in the hotel room with Frankie chips, splicing tie dyes out of uh, 10x to give away to the students and have enough to climb with. You know, those are some of the best times. Just shooting the shit, doing stuff. Well, you know, when we had the, the, the competition in uh, Kelowna, the ISA and, and, and Tane was here and, and myself and, and um, why can't I think of his name from the irrigation uh, who has North American training solutions. Help me out, Tony. Ed. Ed. What's that? Ed. Ed. Yeah. Yeah. Ed, Ed was here. Brian French was here. Rupee was here. Rupee's little underling Ryan was here. And we're <laughs> just sitting around the shop splicing ropes and, and, and making prizes and, and all that kind of stuff and, and sharing stories. And then you look at, at guys, like I was saying last time, like Brian Finch, French, who came to your courses as a, as a rookie climber. And he's right. so far exceeds everything that I could ever have hoped to have been, you know, with his, right. with his skill level and what he's done. But I think that what, what, what I, it makes me proud that these guys are so much better than I was, but I had a hand in getting them started. You know, that's right. just, it's, it's a good feeling. You know, I love it when people exceed, when you show people stuff and then they exceed your abilities. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you well, no, guys, yeah, it's, it's, uh, guys like your, your son, the pitcher, your son, my son and Norm's son all standing together at a climbing competition. Yeah. And that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, uh, and Noah's son too. You know, I think you may, you yeah, touched on yeah, an important, yeah, yeah. Luke. Uh, yeah, Luke touched on an important point of, uh, of the, you know, I, that I, I hadn't thought of, well, I hadn't thought of at this moment at least was, uh, you know, we are, you know, that was always paramount, you know, especially after Pete's fatality that, you know, the, the, the gravity of what we do and, you know, learning about, the fatalities in the industry and we really you know really it, it was it was always uh paramount it still is it's always the the primary focus is to is to help people stay safe you know just number one by far and 
you know, and, and it, it, there's not many, uh, groups, you know, where you can, you know, just do a shout out at a, at a, at an industry event and ask how many people know someone or have had someone they know pass away on the job, you know, or be killed it, it and the hands go up, you know, and that, that's probably part of what breeds the, the, the stuff we're talking about. It's the, the, you know, even, even, even the playing hard stuff, you know, uh, not, not just the joviality, the joking, but, but even, even some of the, you know, the, the stuff that we don't want to talk about often, like the, the, the substance abuse and, and alcoholism potentially even is part of that goes along with all of that stuff, I think. And we haven't talked about that with you yet, Thor. I, I'm not, I just, it, it just, it just brought up that all that it's a, it's a powerful industry in so many ways. And, you know, you can witness things that can really, you need an outlet for it sometimes, you know? That, that, that I've never strayed down that path and I've had some very, very dear friends, as you well know, that, that, that have, but yeah. the, the support, the support is there if they reach out, you know, and there's, there's never been the, the interesting thing about the people in the industry that I, that I've known and are quite close to that have gone down that path is that there was, there was support, not judgment. Hmm. And that's, that's it. And because we've all been there and, 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 and seen some stuff we ought not to see, you know, it, Wes Holly comes to mind, you know, as, as, as oh. a good friend that was a fatality he sat on the Arborist apprenticeship committee and, right. and, uh, you know, yeah. had a fatal fall and left a wife and two kids. And I was pretty close to, pretty close to Wes, you know, and, yeah. and what oh, happened yeah. to Lutz, you know, the, the fact that he even walked away from that. And I had, I had a climber fall, um, not long ago, you know, and, and got banged up pretty good. He fell 40 feet, Yeah. you know, and, and, and here's, here's a guy that that's, that's my lead hand, our safety coordinator and, uh, just went to the, the, uh, his first climbing competition uh, with, with, with with your son and, and with Luke and yeah. uh, made the masters challenge goes down to the internationals did did I think it was top 10 or 12 down there or not the internationals but the PNW competition it's top yeah. 10 or 12 good guy really good guy two weeks after he gets back from 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 uh, I think it was Idaho last year you know yeah. he throws throws in a line and he can't quite see it and he's going up SRT well it it was the one of the same same kind of things that 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 happened to um uh the man uh, another guy and I, I, I can't my names are bad i remember every tree i've ever touched i hardly remember a face i've ever seen which doesn't work so good with women but uh so he, he puts his he puts his puts his line up into this this pine tree and, and from the ground it looks like it's over a big limb but it's actually tucked into a smaller one behind and yeah. this branch the small branch it's only about an inch and a half has a little side branch that's over top of the big branch so when they double tested it they had two guys on the line and stand on it and because of the way it was hooked up it seemed fine but as soon as he started to he was going up srt and had to wiggle over around some branches it pulled that yeah. pulled that overhanging branch back and it slipped off and he yeah. fell somewhere between 25 and 35 feet somewhere in that neighborhood he tried grabbing a few branches on his way down um really buggered up his ankle his hip he didn't break anything shoulder uh, he was really lucky, really lucky. And he's, you know, he's, he's, he's probably about eight to 10 weeks before he was back climbing again. It didn't affect him mentally, but I know some wow. other guys that have had some, some, some falls that, that couldn't get up in the tree again. I had, I had, I had one, it was only maybe 
maybe 15 feet. I had yeah. just gone through through uh, my divorce and I was not not in the best mental state. I should have been a euphoric, but I wasn't. Um, <laughs> he caught that one. Uh, good catch, Tony. And uh, so I brought out Frank Chips and, and his brother Pete to come and help me in this big golf course contract. Yeah. So I was going ahead, setting lines and working ground for these guys as they were climbing. And my, one of my guys, you met Russ Hinter. He had been on a bunch of our yeah, yeah, courses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had these guys and it was great because Russ was trying to keep up with Frank and, and it was working well. We were just pounding the job off. But one of the guys had gotten a friction saver stuck in one of the trees. And I said, hey, I'll, 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 I'll go up and get it. So so I'd set a, I'd set a line and uh, I had my I'd, my Sorrells on. I didn't even have climbing boots on. I put my saddle on and I put a Pantene on. And as I was going up, I I had set a uh, um, I had choked a single rope off up on the top. Yeah. yeah. You know, sent up a running bowl and and I didn't tie the tail on away. I just wasn't thinking. They were both hanging there, and I got up about about fifteen feet. And uh, rope came out of my pantine because I didn't put the little catch beaner in there. So I just reached down, grabbed the rope, tucked it back in. What's the wrong fucking side? So it just it just undid the undid the choke, and I just went thump onto my back. And there was about a foot and a half of snow, and I'm just lying there, completely winded, you know, <laughs> you know, fucking wind like a guppy on the beach, you know. And uh, lucky that's all that 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 happened, but it happened so fast. Like like we were talking about dudes in in. Uh, in, I think it was dudes in, in Winnipeg who yep. had, had about a 40 foot fall. And, and you ask him how long it takes to fall 40 feet. And he goes, Fuh! that's it. You know, it can't yeah. even get the whole word out. Yeah. And you're on the yeah. ground. So it, it, yeah. it's, it, it can happen in our industry quicker, quicker than you can. I think our industry is so much safer than it used to be because of the gear, the equipment, you know, the people that have been there, done that and the stories we can tell. You know, right. it still shocks me, you know, that there's, there's still, there's still, you know, between three and five people that go through chippers every year in North America, yeah. and the death rate still as high as it is, yeah. but it's still an unregulated industry. Yeah. You know, we're trying, but it's not a red seal yet. It's not an official trade. There's no training program. You need, you need a, a, a chainsaw pickup truck and a set, you know, and, and you can call yourself a, a tree guy. Well, and then we're dealing with living, massive living things, you know, that, uh, you know, have a lot of potential energy sitting there, you know, that when it's released, has to go somewhere and normally down, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Gen and, generally, and, and generally, generally speaking, gravity gravity works. Mm -hmm. as, yeah. we, as, as we get older, we can tell that just in parts of our body are sagging a little more than they used to. Absolutely. Yeah, just anything. <clears throat> Ricky, Ricky Gervais does a nice thing about that. He says, "He says, what do you hate about being 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 older?" He says, "Pendulous testicles." <laughs> oh man! man well, we've got we've reached we've reached new new. This this episode is definitely a. Uh, uh, reach new 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 ground, Tony. We've crossed new, new ground. We may have to. I got, I, got, I got something I want to show. I got something I want to show you here. Uh, I don't know if you can see that, Dwayne. You see that? Oh yeah, I just I Glenn, Tony Glenn, and Glenn. both have one of these. I don't know if you ever framed yours. Yeah, yeah. Mine actually is uh, at the office. Yeah. Yeah, mine's you know, over from from uh, from Glenn, and then I got a, yeah. I got another one. I got another one for you. This one unfortunately got water damaged, but I still keep it on the windowsill of my office. There's this really young guy in the top the, the top picture there, yeah. And then there's there's Norm and me in the bottom. That's when we first started. You gave this to me the first Christmas 
the first Christmas after I started training with Norm. Oh this, wow! This level, level Nance had, and it says Order yeah. Master at the bottom, not not Art Canada. Yeah, Nan said yeah. those made for all the guys. And then wow. the, the interesting thing is that you, you look at the Husky helmets. You look at the helmets they're climbing on now. The the um, um, the, the 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 Petzels and and um, uh, the cask and and one of my guys has one of those other uh, newer ones that I can't remember the name of that cost a king's ransom, but they're amazing. <laughs> but what Helpful. we thought was amazing that Husqvarna cut the brim off a hard hat, you know, so you didn't Banner. strain your neck, you know. Yep. That was, yep. That was innovative back then, but that was the start. And now the new yep. helmets that come out, they have the visors that, that tuck into the helmets, the earmuffs. We're using the banners, um, yeah. kind of communication systems, you know, yep. that, that are that are completely Bluetooth. So all my crews have those and they can communicate really well and and everything else. So it's it, but it all starts with, with somebody cutting the brim off a hard hat. Mm-hmm. You know, I that's, remember that's how innovation starts. We were uh, one guy comes up, up with the idea. It's like it's like the weapon. You know, one guy comes up with, with the idea. And the next guy goes, hey, but if we did this or what if we yeah. did that and let's advance it here. And and before you know it, it's a it's a whole new animal, but it started somewhere. Yep. Well, yeah. I that, mean, was one, that was one of the best things with, with Arb Canada and the, and the group of guys because they were so, so and, and, and guys that would come to courses that had ideas and things would bring them along. And it's, yeah. they, they would ask, what do you think of this? Would, would this work? Is this safe? You know? All yeah. that kind of stuff with, with, with different things that, 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 that we hadn't even thought of, but they've, they've yeah. designed. Yeah. And I, and I think it still happens. It still happens. I think that there's, uh, oh, yeah, it does. It you does. know, I, I wonder though, you know, Tony has made an observation about this in the past and Tony, I, like, I don't know. Uh, like he, he, I think, let me just, just take a stab at this and you can correct me, Tony. I, I'll speak for you because I've heard it a few times, but it used to be that the innovations would solve a problem, not just be a different way of doing something. Is that fair statement, mm-hmm. Tony? Or? Yeah. I mean, you know, the classic example is, you know, why we went away from the taunt line hitch to the Blake's hitch, because when we switched from three strand rope to braided rope, taunt line hitch started to roll. You know, so knew not it was like, you know, it's all the rage, but it just solved an issue for us. Right. And then when you put the micro pulley underneath it, you know, that that gave us slack tending and all those things. And it just really solved the problem. And what, what really brought it home is when we talked to Don Blair, I asked Don, I think his podcast might not be beyond next. But anyway, I asked, Don, I said, if you were going to invent, you know, X, Y, Z climbing thing right whatever the newest thing xyz climbing tool what what would how how would you go about it and he said the first thing he would do is look for a need he said that said the absolute first thing he would do is look for a need in the industry i'm like now there's a man that's invented some stuff right that we still (laughs) use this day that's the same in 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 any in in any industry my my um my father-in-law uh back in the late 40s early 50s uh had service rigs out in saskatchewan and in, and as you know well know Dwayne, it gets down to minus 50 and they couldn't get these service rigs started up so he invented this system where you could pull out there in a truck and you could couple your cooling system from the truck to the rig and you could run the hot water from the truck through the rig to warm it up fire right up minus 30 minus 40. never patented it within a year every company was doing it you know but it was a need for the industry that he that he came up with and there's lots of those. I mean, great goods like the, you know the GCRS. People don't know that that it's, it stands for goods. You know, it, yeah. Greg's Greg's invention. You know, uh, good, Greg, rigging, good control rigging control system. 
based yeah. after uh, based after him and it's it, it it was cool i got into sailing and i sailed at quite a competitive level on Malgis 24s and a and a uh, 53 foot uh, sailboat i did victoria to maui and that kind of stuff but the the, the winches that's the sailing winch a harken sailing mm-hmm. winch. so when i started sailing i got onto the sailboat and i looked at this thing and i'm going that's ah, from a board culture well no yeah. no no it's <laughs> a board culture sold it from sailing to, to make something that can lift. And that was so far superior to, you know, the five to one systems that we were using, which you would, I, I've got an old video. I think I have the set in here actually somewhere. <laughs> I've got the old Arbor Master set and there's you and yeah. Scott pushing, pushing the yeah. five to one up and but yeah. still standing under the load. And then, yeah. the, you know, the next one, you've got to it, it redirect and you're doing it along, you know, this yeah. way, you know, parallel to the ground out from under the load. And then yeah. along comes, Along comes Greg. Where well, why don't we just hand crank this with a sixteen to one or forty? Well, and, and it's funny. You, you, you talk, it. And you talk about that because the Hobbs actually it did that stuff, but the Hobbs was a little slower and bulkier. But I mean, the Hobbs, the good really was, uh, like the Hobbs was around before the goods even. You know, oh, yeah, it, I, I so, had a Hobbs. I had a Hobbs before the. I still have my Hobbs. Yeah. You know, but you had to put the big pipe in there to do the, the crank and yeah, you only had I one know. speed. Whereas yeah, the whereas the winches were, were two and three speed winches. Oh I know. Hey, I'm, I'm, it's, one, just, it's just the one, forty to one. It's just for a lot of people the good was their first, you know, and and you know, I think it's fair to you know, to even recognize that the Hobbs predated the goods by at least twenty years. You know, yeah, but it had yeah. its its own panache. And its own, you know, we were talking with Don and we had him on the show and he wants to do another one, actually. He, uh, he really enjoyed it. But, you know, he said they came up with it because they were doing a pine removal and there was this weird lower branch on the pine tree that had, it had been cut off. It was used as a little seat and they, they just started taking wraps on it. And that's where their concept came from making the hops. That's, it's, <laughs> it's. It's super interesting, you know, and then the way the way Greg did it so that you can interchange a bollard yep. with the with the with the winch itself. Yeah. And then how to attach it to the tree with you can have the, the, the spike set up or you can have the rubber yep. set up so it doesn't damage the tree. And yeah, it was it was interesting. And then meeting meeting Greg himself was uh, uh, was awesome. It's there's such a humble there's another person. Another person we got to get on the, on the show. Yeah, he was, sure. he's so humble. Greg solved the problem. The problem with, uh, or the one issue with the Hobbs is he always had to have a yeah. second person yeah. to winch, to lift, yeah. right? So Greg made a true one person. Yeah. So what I always tell people when they ask about the difference, if you lower a lot and lift a little, get a Hobbs. If you lift a lot and lower a little, get a GRCS. Yeah. Or you can be like me. And this was the problem with, 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 with everybody at, 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 in, in the training industry as we became gearheads. Right, the, the latest, the greatest, oh, yeah. and 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 companies would give us stuff to try, you know, the the different hitches, the different ropes, the different gear, and you know the 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 lock jack when that first came out with the long tail, that was fun until I hooked it with right. my handsaw. You get you, you go for a little <laughs> right. ride, you know. So and then they shorten the tail and they make these other these other uh, modifications. But I always went back to uh, always went back to rope on rope. And, and I, most of my guys try these mechanical hitches and they always go back to rope on rope. I always tell guys too, it's like when something new comes out, like, does it solve a problem? If it solves a problem, let's have a discussion. If it's just new or a variation on a theme, then yeah. you're going to have to justify it a little bit more, you know, and that's not, I'm not, I don't come out with all the mechanical climbing devices you would like, but 
unless it solves a problem for me, I, I you know, I don't, I don't need something yeah. else. I don't need yeah. a variation on the theme. I can't tell you, no, something as ambiguous as the Porter app, how many times I've seen it hooked on upside down. Yeah. Um, which is a testament to its engineering because it still works upside down. Um, it was what was, and it's interesting, even about the inventor of that, Scott, because we've told this story before, where, where, where Scott Prophet is, 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 you know, working the hot, you know, working it, and and uh, demonstrating his his tool that he's invented, and he's talking about unfurling the hockles, and there was a guy in the, you know, in the course, he said, oh, it's great, and when you reverse the thing, it undoes the hockles every lift, so you just switch it over, and Scott, who invented the thing, is going, wow, that's that's didn't even. I happen. knew that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he faked it. He faked it. Said, "Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah well, I was yeah, going to tell you that next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course, of course. I, 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 I don't think he faked it. Well, you talked to Scott about that over think... a couple of beers, and it's it's like holy smokes, that's pretty little cool. And you know, but it solved the problem. It solved the hockling. It did. just by reversing the rope on the on the uh, on the porter app. You know, and and the, the 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 reiterations of that to get to that one was was pretty amazing. You know, and then you see other guys like you're doing some big some big bombs and, and I've watched guys pack, pack the, the barrel with, uh, with ice, with, with ice bags and stuff to keep it cold. So you're not melting your line and, and all sorts yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And that was something was, built right into the, the good as well, where uh, Greg made accommodations for that with the hollow bollard. Yep. It, it, it is a, there is a innovations and stuff going to happen all the time. I think, but it's a, you know, is it, I think it's a good, uh, well, I mean, we used to use acronym C, you know, and I think that still applies. You know, does it make your job safer? Does it make your job easier? And does it make it more efficient? And ease and efficiency are not the same thing. You know, like some can be really easy, but take a long time. You know, like a, a 50 to one moves the log really easily, but it, you got to pull for a long time. <laughs> well, and that was another thing that we, we, we talked about in the course quite a bit. You know, you can have, you can have something that's 100% safe but it's so cumbersome it's never used. So is right. it is it beneficial? Or you can have something that makes the job 80% more safe, but it's more efficient to use. Not 100%, but it's but yeah. it's efficient and everybody uses it. You know, is yeah. is that a better tool? Or is that a better yeah. technique? You know, yeah. so it's it's different. Lots of acronyms. The only one oh, that man. never really worked was was uh uh your to Helen back for cutting and filling. Yeah, it was just you kind of had to mix it up a little bit. I know. We never found out. And then we changed it to a six-step plan and to boot, Thor. Because now it's yeah, a six-step following plan instead of a five-step. <laughs> Just messing up the acronyms. Yeah. Thor, Duane and I were talking earlier, and I love your perspective. So it seems, you know, when you look at trainers for almost every org, like major arboricultural organization, you know, Arbor Master, uh, North American, even Arbor Canada to an extent, there seems to be a lifespan of like, say, five to seven years-ish, right, for a trainer, for a full-time. People tend to get involved, they get heavily involved, and then they just kind of, they just kind of back out. Right. For, and there's many reasons behind it. I was just wondering what you're like, why do you think it is that way? It seems to be fairly consistent um, that four to five, seven, there's exceptions to every rule. Of I think, I think what, I think what happens is, is um, especially when we started, things were so, so innovative and Dwayne developed the courses. We all had input on some of the courses that were developed thereafter. And, and, you know, I, um, um, some courses like, like Dwayne and I did that, did that one course, kind of designed it as we're traveling in the car and everything was innovative and everything was new. And then after a while, you still have to teach the same stuff. You still have that beginner climber that you have to teach again 
And, and as much as it's a passion and, and that you really want to do it, it becomes, it becomes um, repetitive, uh, you, you know, over time, you know, I was fortunate to be at the beginning when we had the first climbing course, the first felling courses, the first rigging, and then we did advanced rigging, then we did advanced felling, and then we did pruning, and then we did aerial rescue, and then we did uh, um, tree risk assessment for climbers, which was completely innovative at the time. And and to, to pass that on was awesome. But by the time, by the time uh, you know, five, seven, ten years rolls around, it's not, it's not, it's not quite the same anymore. There wasn't, you know, it's, it's time for that next generation to take over the excitement and add the new gear into the systems and some of the new ideas into the systems and the younger passion, you know, about it. It's, it's, it's interesting, though. I, I just looked at the new course schedule. I'm trying to get down and just kind of sit in the back room of one of the, one of the, the new courses for our Canada and see, see how they've changed and see what the new techniques are. Cause we had one of the things that, that, that Dwayne was really big on is, is to find your story and to find your technique and, and what gives you the right to stand in front of these people with a story. And it's, yeah. it's he called it earn the right, but it's, it's, I've, I've always done that. I've always told stories and, and, and it's the story that, that makes it, some of Dwayne's were fibs, but that's okay. The one about the lost finger, that was bullshit. I would work off the rope, whatever. It worked for you at the time and you were, you were not a lead trainer, but, but it's these stories that attach us to the industry and everything else. And, and there's new stories that come along that we're, that we're not part of. And, and those, those, those younger people have to have to move it along. You know, it, I want to be that old guy. Dwayne used to tell a story and, and, or maybe it was Norm. I think it was Norm. He said, he said, when that old guy, you know, that, that's hanging out around you and, and, and he said, Hey, Sonny, I can see what you're doing, but I don't think that's quite going to work that way. Don't, don't, you know, shoo him away. He said, he might have something, you know, that, yeah. that knowledge base that's built up there because trees react differently in different climates and different areas and, and wood strengths are different and, and elevation yeah. changes make a difference into wood development and everything else. So that old guy, yeah. you know, and that's us now, you know, listen to us. You know, we've yeah. got a little bit of wisdom and, and some, some years, but it's the, the young guys have to come on and carry the torch. And that's, that's the way it is. It's not that I yeah. haven't lost my interest. I still do stuff. I did, uh, I yeah. did a Q and a, a, at a garden show here recently, and they want us to do some more demos. And, and I love yeah. training days when the, when, when, when Bartlett has um, uh, Matt Beattie and, and the guys from Seattle and stuff come up and we do training days, that's great. I love hanging out and, and interjecting once in a while, but I love yeah. watching, watching everybody else do their thing, you know, and yeah. just, just interjecting once in a while to, to, in, to, to impart some wisdom. You know, yeah. knowledge, yeah. knowledge comes with, knowledge comes with, 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 with learning and, and wisdom comes with age and experience. You know, it's interesting. You, you, you've you mentioned twice now and uh, DJ listened to the first podcast there and he's like, you lied to Thor, what? And uh, he, he, he wouldn't get off on it. And I vaguely <laughs> remember that. Uh, but I mean, I, I didn't, it sounds like it, uh, you know, if it, uh, you I know, I, I, I suppose I owe you an apology and I will. I, I didn't know. It was, was a good story and it worked and you came clean eventually. You know, but this okay. was, you were, well, you were, you were, you were just starting with Ken and Rip at the time as, as yeah. an understudy at Arbor Master. Right. Yeah. And you were up in, you, you, we were, the, what the hell was his name? He still owes me a thousand bucks. Uh, guy from the Kootenays that came out and took a bunch of all the courses with me together. And I can't remember his name. I, I uh, bought the oh, Hawks. Ian. 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 So, Ian so I, yeah. I, he, he, 
he had some dependency issues. Yeah. Right? right. He was he was really, really struggling. And and yeah. uh so I I that's where I got my Hobbs. I bought my Hobbs off him because he needed some money and I gave him an extra thousand bucks. And he'll he'll call me once probably every five or six years and say, Hey, I still owe you that money. You know, I guess <laughs> it's it's and I I knew I wasn't gonna get it back, but he was in those courses with me. And and you were up in this massive poplar. We're setting up some some zip lines and some some cool stuff. Rip is teaching on the ground, and and he's got you doing the 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 fun stuff up in the trees. And when you came down, like we were doing different rigging techniques, and when you came down, it was um, I was asking you about your finger, and you you told me about because we were discussing ropes and riggings and and the pressures and the and how it can burn it off. And you were, you told me that you'd had that finger in a natural crotch and the rope had gone over it and ran so fast to just burn it clean off. And that was, that was the story that I was told. And that was the day that it was, that it was told. I, it, it, you know what? I vaguely remember, and I, I didn't tell it very much. I soon realized, you know, that just is a, is a terrible thing to have to try to remember and keep up. And, Cause it's not part of my repertoire as a general rule. Like certainly I wouldn't, and, you know, I was like, DJ said, like, God, how many of your stories are true? I'm like, oh, jeepers creepers. So I got, I need to, uh, I appreciate your, uh, you know, I need to come clean on it. And I, I vaguely remember it. And I, uh, you know, I, I don't do it anymore. I certainly, I don't know if I've done it since or not, but, uh, for anyone listening, if I've ever done that, I apologize. Well, a lot of, a lot of the stuff moving forward where, where the experience that we've had and, and stuff, I don't, I don't ever remember, um, embellishing anything because the stuff that we that we do and the stories that we told i mean you were you were green as the fresh mown grass back then you were still teaching at olds you know you know well, i don't even had, think i was you, teaching there yet was i, I guess i just started yeah 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 that's right so so it's as as we get older in the industry and we started to train we've had we've had these incidents and these things happen to us and to friends and we've witnessed it you know i don't have to to tell people what happens when you one hand a chainsaw, I can, I can, I can show them this, 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 the scar on my wrist that goes from here to here where, where I hit myself, you know, yeah. I was lucky. I exposed the tendons and the veins. I could watch my vein pumping and the tendon move and got into the meat over here. Didn't do much damage, but I can, you know, you've, everybody's got a story. You know, I've got a, you know, my buddy, um, um, Sean Nemeth who had Paragon tree service. That's when I first tried to climb was he, he'd showed me, before I met met you guys, and uh, he's got a scar on his face here, and and missing some teeth. He's one handing an O two six in a tree, and it went through and kicked back and plunged right through his face. Oh. So these are people that we know, you know, yeah. and, and people that we've seen, and things that have happened to us or that we were able to witness. I mean, you know, I use I use um, Peter Donzelli's story all the time about about force loads and. And everything yep. else, and there's an engineer, and, and and what can happen, and how it how it can happen, you know. But yep. these are real stories, and that was just that's the only time that that that, and that's why I bug you about it. You know? <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. You, you were you were you were so you were and and so was I. I mean, we were so young and so green. We didn't have the experience and the stories, and we didn't know the people back yep. then. It wasn't long after that that that, that Peter Donzelli had his accident, and then we yep. had real real stories to tell. Well, wisdom. you know, I, I I wish I would have told you the true story then, and I, it's a good lesson even now. So thanks for the reminder. Um, it's uh, it's uh, and I just thought of something, and now I've, uh, it's escaped me. It must not have been that important, but it was about uh, oh well, I 
I was gonna shoot. Must begin to be that time. That's that's the, that's the gray hair. On, on my little mushroom farm here, Dwayne, we grow lion's mane. It's great for dementia and Alzheimer's, reversal and, you know, and prevention. I'll get you some. <laughs> send me some. Send me some, yes. You know, what I, I've, uh, the years of being a trainer have taught me when you stand up in front of people and you start telling stories. There's the story you intended to tell. There's the actual story. And then somewhere in between is, is, what, is what you meant to tell. And, and it's, it can be an interesting insight into yourself and your own mental state. But then also sometimes you do have to kind of change your story a little bit to bring it home closer for the students, you know, not necessarily embellish, but kind of bring out the details or the aspects of it that are more I think, important I, to them. You know? I think you had, Tony, I think you hit the nail on the head. You have to, you, you, and that's what Dwayne meant by, by earn the right. And, and I never understood that when he first started teaching it. And I remember Johnny Ransom trying to, trying to tell it because he couldn't. You know, he, he was trying to force the earn the right. What gives you the right to stand in front of these students to tell them? And Johnny yeah. struggled with that so much, you know, because he wasn't a natural storyteller, you know. No. But it's, 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 you have to feel it. You have to be sincere and you have to tell stories that had an impact on you. That's the only way it's going to come across to the students. You may tell right. it in a different dynamic. You may tell it in a different in a different methodology or, or with a different um, outcome for what you're trying to get across. But the story has to be genuine and you have to have the emotion involved in, in, yeah. in the story that you're telling it, being, a, being at a, a excitement because you learned something new that you're trying to impart or, or to build that excitement with somebody or, or be it, you know, building caution, you know, with, with some of the things that we've seen and some of the things that have happened you know, and mm. things in the industry, the internet and, and YouTube has really brought a lot of that home where you can, and I don't know that that's such a good thing because you become, you become conditioned to the amount of tree, tree failure videos that you can watch. And then it's just yeah. another one. Oh, this one isn't as exciting as the last one. So you don't even watch it through. You right. Know, so you become almost conditioned to that stuff. You know, mm -hmm. I think the stories from real people are so much better. Mm hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah. I would yeah. totally agree. And I think how we tell them and when we tell them and why we tell them is a good insight into a lot of things. Yeah, it um, is. There's, and, there's, and there's, the, there's a story that happened. There's what you intended to say. And then there's what actually comes out of your mouth. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is. It is. It is. Well, I th uh, sorry, and, and wrap it up our second go around with you. Uh, uh, I probably asked it to you last time and I don't know how you answered it. Maybe you'd answer it differently this time. Maybe not, but you know, being in the human forest, pretty much most of your career, I would say, you know, how has the human forest affected your life? I think the, the, as you get older, you, you, you realize that you, you learn something from everybody. And the one thing that, that, that being in part of the trainers that, that, that was really impactful for me yeah. is I've been out of it for, for, for 10 or 12 years. And then, then I know, I know, I, I know in my heart of hearts that, that uh, if I needed you or I needed Norm or Tony or anybody, if I needed somebody, you yeah. know, I, I know that if I called Tane tomorrow and said, Hey, bud, I, I need you here. He'd come. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's a compliment to, to the trainers. And it's, I think it's a compliment to our industry that, hmm. that, uh, that it's a pretty, it's a, it's a band of brothers. Right. So it's, it's, a, it's impacted me, you know, right down to the core. 
Absolutely right down to the core. You've taught me uh, so much. And here's a story when we're doing, okay. when we're doing the, uh, this will all end with this one because it's impactful okay. on, on what we're talking about. And it was, it was with uh, Neil Thiessen when we had to yeah. give each other negative criticisms. And, right. Uh, you're standing there with your hands down by your side, you know, in the open posture to accept something and, and Neil paired us up. Yeah. And you had to give me a negative criticism. Now you, you only come up to my navel. You know, so it's, it's, you know, you're looking, you're looking up at me like this and yeah. it, that made it more impactful because what, what you, what you told me is, is because I'm very passionate about, but about the industry and about when I teach and, and, and the points I want to get across and, uh, and I'm still that way, um, but I've learned to tone it down. And, and it was because of this one thing that, that, I, that, that, that happened to me and it was you and, and, and you said, you know, Thor, you're, you're, you're a good trainer and you, and, and you're so passionate, but. I think because of your size and and your voice and how you present yourself, so animated, that these people are, are learning because because they're intimidated, not because they're engaged. Hmm. That was super impactful. It, I had to. You taught me how to um, utilize different techniques and and watch people, and you can I can tell when when they're paying attention because they're intimidated or they're paying attention because they're engaged. Right. And that was, that was an amazing lesson. And it was early on, you know, that was, that was a long time ago, our first session with Neil. Yeah. And, uh, and that was super impactful. Right. And we all have to learn, we all have to learn, learn that. And of course, I told you that you were just a shitty driver and quit driving with two fucking feet and jerking the car all around with the gas and the brake and the gas and the brake. Yeah. And I drove next time. <laughs> no, you're right. And you know, that, that observation has been, uh, that's still, I think I'm better, but that, that was something I did definitely have to work on. You were absolutely right. Tony could probably attest to that. <laughs> you know, and it, that was, that was a 30 second, that was a 30 second thing that you and I did at, at, uh, at one of the, the, the sessions. Was that the Black Knight Inn? Was that the Black Knight Inn in Red Deer, which has now been torn down? <laughs> yeah, and 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 that was a thirty-second thing that's that's impacted the way I the way I teach, the way I talk, the way I explain jobs to my guys, the way hmm. I discuss incidents and accidents, or yeah. or jobs that haven't gone well, or, or or equipment that got damaged, or property that got damaged inadvertently. You know, I I I'm able to to kind of dial it back because of that thirty seconds. Wow. Well, that is a thank you, Thor, for that. It's a nice way to to close off. Well, I'm glad we had a chance to redo it. I'm hoping our audio folks this time is is uh, is better and not quite as as garbled up. But uh, and it's great to have you on the show again, Thor. Thank you so much. Hey, it's been it's 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 been a pleasure. And if you ever get that desperate again, I'll come back. Okay. okay. Well, you know, we definitely <laughs> are seeing do-overs, yeah. so I, I, we'll probably hold you to it. 